what it do baby booze welcome to the furry thoughts podcast where psychology pop culture and self meet it's your girl penny anassi back at it again with another episode first of all happy black history month to all my n-i-g-g-a-s's out there although us as black people show out all day every day all year this month just do everything and anything just because we can and that's just how we are and that's just who we are but yes happy black history month um today is super actually really cool because i have someone who was a part of black history the show that we all have grown to literally love insecure on this episode i have you guys might know him as tsa bay um, who was banging Issa on a couple of episodes, but I know him as Reggie Conquest. He is a writer, comedian, an actor, and an all-around great human being. And you guys are going to get to know a little bit more about his story and who he is outside of the funny character of TSA Bay on Insecure. So that's a great way to start off Black History Month. But before we get into the episode... I do want to take a moment to address the loss of former Miss USA, Chesley Christ, who lost her life to suicide this past weekend. Suicide is a very, very touchy subject for me and a lot of people who are either have people in their family battling with mental health or have personally dealt with it before, suicide ideations and things like that. And it's something that I definitely want to dive in more on the podcast in the future. But for now, I do want to say rest in perfect peace to such a beautiful soul and a beautiful spirit, Chesley Christ, um, sending love and light to her family and prayers to anyone who is dealing with suicide ideations. And for just all of us um, having to, you know, reportedly get news like this is truly devastating. So sending you guys all the love, all the prayers. You guys can always hit me up in the DMs if ever you have any thoughts or questions about mental health or just want to talk or just vent. I'm always here to listen. And lastly, on the issue, before we hop into the interview, I do want to read a tweet from Brittany Moses. It said, Chesley Chris' story is jarring for many because it reminds us that there can be a stark contrast between the cultural image of accomplishment and a person's true inner life. It reminds us that depression can look like success and that the image of success is not everything. I want to leave you all with that and just sending my love always, always, always. Let's get into this interview with Reggie Conquest, a.k.a. TSA Bay. So we're going to get into the interview, and we always start with, like, an advice column. So you're going to help me answer people's questions. You ready? I haven't even read this one yet. So it says, hey, Penny, I've been texting this guy for almost two weeks. We only had one phone call that I made, and he acted so shy on the phone with me, and we haven't made any plans to hang out since is that weird what should i do she's been texting a guy she called him once and he was weird 
she called well they've been texting for two weeks mm-hmm. they had one phone call and i guess on the phone call he was kind of like shy more shy and they and he hasn't made any plans since the phone call mm. sounds like sounds like she's got one of the one of these internet niggas that are really good with dming and and tweets and social media but all when you take that away he's a little weird right like he's not like personable yeah yeah so i I got a friend like that that's really good online like dming and he gets you know he meets his girls online but then if he got a he can't talk to women in person it's kind of weird right what does he do does he does he know that he's like that or you just peep that he knows he knows he's like he's like my in-person game is trash like you know he doesn't know what to say he doesn't you know what i mean um but his online game is good he got some good online games so maybe this guy's texan is is a1 but his conversation isn't that so i mean i don't know i would Try to set up something else with him. Try to, you know, get him talking a little bit. Like, he probably just, like, is a shy a shy person. Because it's really easy to be behind a phone, like a phone screen. Like, that's the easiest thing ever. I can't, I, 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 I can't stand a shy dude. <laughs> is he calling himself shy or she's calling him shy? No, I'm saying, like, he might just be shy if he was, you know, oh, he okay, said, okay. And, and she said that he acted, yeah, he, he acted shy on the phone. Yeah, he probably just got a good, strong text game. Yeah, text game, online game type thing. Yeah, that's a real, real. Yeah, it's a real thing. Some people are really mm-hmm. good online. My advice, if he's too shy for you, then he probably just not even, you don't, you don't even need to go there. Because he, you know what I'm saying? I would probably like link up one time in person and see if it was just, you know, one time thing. But if he's too shy, then... So you're saying she should dump them all together? I'm saying she, she should try like one more time. But if that's still the same energy and it's not aligning with hers and there's no reason to really move further. Okay. Uh, I, I try again, like you said, try again. Or even just ask him about it and be like, cause he might just really just be like anxious and stuff. And I feel like a lot of people now are used to like not being around people as much as we used to be it's because, because of the pandemic and you can kind of lose, you know, that group. Yeah. Yeah, you know, sometimes you're good, sometimes you're bad. You almost punched me, so sometimes your in-person <laughs> in game is not good, and your text, like, it depends. It depends. I like to think I'm pretty good in person, but, you know, it's not the first time I was about to get socked. Right. But, you know, sometimes it'd be like that. Mm-hmm. But, yes. Okay, guys, so definitely email me y'all's letters, um, pennyperiodanassi at gmail.com, or DM them to me. And we're going to get into the interview. So I always start with asking people, like, who were they? Who are they now? And, like, where do they see themselves in the future? I am Reggie Conquest. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a Philadelphian. Born and raised. I'm very proud of my uh, city and where I'm from. Uh, growing up, um, I grew up in a very toxic-ass city and a toxic-ass environment. And I started doing stand-up because I was just, I wasn't doing nothing. Like, I, I didn't go to college or nothing like that. I was running the streets, doing absolutely nothing. And then I started comedy. Like, what, what round, what age was that? I started comedy when I was, like, 22. 
So a lot of my time went to going to comedy clubs in Philly and just hanging out, talking shit. I love the hang. I love the camaraderie of comics. So just hanging out. And that was kind of like my fraternity is just hanging out with comics. When all my friends was graduating college or whatever they was doing at 22, I was down at comedy clubs, um, drinking, smoking, hanging, you know, making jokes. And then it's like, all right, the comedy is bigger than Philly. So it was either New York or L.A. So I chose New York to be a better, to get better at stand-up. And that was the only goal. And then, you know, fast forward, you moved to New York, moved to New York 2012 or 2013. And I've been in New York for about 11 years. And, uh, you know, it, it, it comedy goes into acting. So Insecure just happened, you know, like it was just like L.A. first visit, first audition and then boom. So a lot of people are funny, you know, but it takes like a different type of skill to do like actual comedy. So when did you know that you were funny? And then when were you like, okay, and like walk us through that, like paint that picture. Okay, I can actually do this as a career. I mean, it took a while for it to be like, once I seen some of my friends getting shit, like getting stuff and being on TV and making money, I was like, oh, this could happen. Yeah, it's possible. You just gotta keep doing it. But if you're just doing stand-up, it's not a lot of success at first. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I didn't act like insecure broke me. So it wasn't from my stand up. You know, stand up takes a very long time and it's a long grind. And it's some funny ass people in it that haven't evolved yet because stand up is such a, first of all, it's changing and uh, it's not, it's not like it was like in the 90s. Like, I remember in Def Jam and all that stuff. Those dudes would go up there and do five minutes and then boom, they're in movies, they're in TV shows, stuff like that. You just booked another role on screen, right? I've never seen any. Never seen none of them? No. Is it because I'm one, I used to be afraid of scary movies. I'm, I'm not even sure if it's an actual scary movie. It is, right? It's a slasher. So tell us about that experience. And I read that you said like the cast was amazing. Um, the crew was amazing. And I guess like based on your experience as an actor, what makes a good cast and crew? They they you, they they pamper you. They like, you need anything? You're fine. You, you know, everybody's so nice. And I see why some actors can be assholes. Um, yeah, like narcissists and that. Because the way they treat you, they treat you like royalty. Like, you got you got an assistant. Hey, uh, I'll get you coffee, whatever you need. Stay in your trailer. Um, anything you like. They really they really are. Even like insecure was just like all right, I can go get my coffee. And they're like, no, 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 no. You're okay, you're fine. And it's just like, oh, I see why actors are assholes. Right. Of course, we know you as TSA Bay, and we know that she does such a good job at Black representation. And for lack of better, like, you know, reference, average size woman with a huskier man, it wasn't what we're used to seeing. Um, I know you talked a lot about body, not body shaming. You kind of joked about it, but I always wondered, like, how would that, how did that actually make you feel in a sense? Although we loved it because people do like huskier men, you know, it's not like a taboo thing in real life, I guess, but it's not seen in media. How was that experience actually for you? I mean, I kind of knew it was, I knew that that's come, that comes with it. I knew that. The jokes, I knew the body shaming. I kind of knew it was going to come with it afterwards, you know? 
Um, it didn't. It didn't affect me. Um, it, it didn't. I didn't feel. I, I. I'm not on Twitter, but I seen this stuff because my friends would tweet, would text it to me, or it was just a good time. And it was like, whoo, damn, they were going in. So it was like, you know, I kind of knew it came with it. I knew that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. A comedian. Wait, so you're not on Twitter still? No, I'm not on Twitter. Dang, that's good. Because most people, I feel like, get their whole everything from Twitter. So that means that show stuff just comes from what, real life experiences and stuff. What do you mean? You, get you know what I mean? Twitter. I feel like a lot of like internet comedians and just, you know, commentators or whatever, a lot of their like dialogue and, you know, I guess their jokes and storytelling, a lot that's going on like on the internet or on Twitter. And they kind of like take those and put that into their their sets or put that into their commentary in a sense. Not a lot of people, but a heavy majority of them. I could be wrong because I'm not in that world, but yeah, I mean, by observation, I um, I, I don't get, I don't get into Twitter like that because I mean, I was on it, but once, once the internet started to change and it became like this uplifting place, and you know, it it, it changed, and I was just like, all right, I'm out, I'm done, because I would have, I would, they would have, they would have canceled me for tweets, some old tweets that I. Cause I used to be reckless on Twitter because I got on at a time where it was okay to be reckless, you know? I got on Twitter in like 2008, so and at the time, I don't even think I was a comic so it was like, we used to just tweet awful shit and about women, about race, about you know, niggas be like, black, like it was no pics. Yeah, that was a hashtag, niggas be like, bitches be like. Yeah, it was no pics. <laughs> it was a thing. So once, once that changed, I was like, alright, it's time for me to get off it. So what do you think about cancel culture then? That was one of my questions for way later. But like, um, you know, Dave Chappelle's experience with cancel culture. And do you think people are too sensitive nowadays, especially when it comes to comedians? Because a part of y'all's thing is to tell like the uncomfortable truths and stuff like that. So what's your what's been your experience with that? You think Dave Chappelle got canceled? They tried to. He's not canceled. I don't think they tried it. I don't think it's real. I never thought it was real. Um, everybody that's so-called canceled. It's not canceled. Right. They still here. Even like Kevin Hart. Yeah, he's still still working still. I don't know the list. Only ones that were canceled were the ones that did actual crimes. The R. Kelly's, the Bill Cosby's, the Harvey Weinstein's. But nobody else is really canceled. Mm-hmm. So do you what do you think about the sensitivity though of just society these days? I won't post a thought on something. But I'll go on stage and and and, and say it. No, I won't. I won't type it in words because I've thought of some awful things to t- tweet or not tweet, but you know I do Instagram stories and stuff like that. And I'll think of something and I'll go, you know what? I'm gonna say that for stage because and you know Twitter. I've seen comics tweet stuff and get in trouble for tweets, and people will screenshot it. And you got people responding. I don't think comics should be on Twitter. I think comedians should be off of Twitter and save it for the stage. You did like a sex scene with Issa. I mean, that was my first, that was my first scene. Insecure was my first role. <laughs> I went to a comedy festival, did pretty good at the comedy festival, got agents, and I had to go out LA to, uh, to meet with agents. Then as I'm leaving, they're like, hey, we got a, um, we got a audition for you insecure 
And I was like, oh, all right, whatever, I'll do it. And then I'll go back home. And I mean, I went and it was just a bunch of other fat niggas in the room. And I think I went first. And then I was like, all right, did the audition. Because at this time, I've auditioned for plenty of stuff. So I didn't think nothing of this. And then uh, I'm going back to the airport. They're like, yo, they want you to come back. And I'm like, what? Like, my flight's about to leave, blah, blah, blah. I start calling people like, yo, you think I should leave? You think I should? They're like, no, just stay. So I end up staying and I got the part. And it was just, it was, it, it happened so fast. So quick, yeah. I remember so you quick. were saying like, um, was it they didn't tell you what you were auditioning for or they did? Oh, no, they didn't tell me it was Issa. Oh, that's okay. Oh, so, and you didn't know what Insecure was. Yeah, I, no, I knew what Insecure was. I didn't know the... I didn't watch Insecure at the time, but I knew who Issa was. Right. But it was on the on the, on the audition, it said uh, Alicia. Some character. So I was going around asking people that I know watching Insecure. I'm like, yo, who's Alicia? And they're like, must be a new character. So I knew mm. it was a sex scene, but I didn't know it was Issa. You know, okay. They didn't put Issa on, the, on my audition. On paper. the thing, yeah. Probably so you wouldn't like freak out or like why would what's the reason behind that I don't probably probably freak out you know yeah, yeah and like not be chill about it yeah interesting so so yeah i mean i i didn't uh i didn't know it was isa until later like i i, I auditioned in front of isa um and prentice and all them like the whole you know that whole staff so i i didn't know it was isa though and isa was sitting right there so you just didn't put two and two together. <laughs> I did not put two and two together. <laughs> um, so I interviewed Natasha Rothwell and Amanda Seals, I think for season two. And really? I kind of act. Mm -hmm. oh, wow. I asked them basically, in a sense, how is it to work with a lot of other with, with full cast and crew of that are that are of color and are super talented and like what that space is like. Was it different than other spaces? Um, I wonder if you had like a different experience experience than you've had like on other sets, but it was your first time. And like I said, I still didn't realize how big um, Insecure was. I didn't, I didn't really realize it until season five, like even after season four aired, cause I went through a whole pandemic. So the pandemic happened. I was in the house. I didn't go. I didn't get to see the watch parties and all that stuff. And before getting the role of on that role on that show, I hadn't watched Insecure. I just watch it from. I always knew what was going on. I always was Team Lawrence, no matter what. Why? Because he's a man, and I'm a man. I I didn't even know what was. Okay. So, but, but basically, y'all yeah, niggas yeah. won because that's how it ended. Lawrence is a man. I, I, default, I was Team Lawrence. So I didn't realize how huge Insecure, when I, when I went around and seen all the watch parties and I was like, wow, like this shit yeah. is crazy. Even the last episode, like my friends had to tell me that it was like a historic thing to be a part of this black ass show has been around for five and I was just like what? So I got a little emotional watching the last episode even though I still didn't finish season one and two. I need you to go back 
Yeah, I started. I'm going to go back and watch. So, you know, it literally, like, you're definitely like a part of history, which is crazy. super dope. That's crazy. that's crazy. But I love how that happens. I feel like that's how I, I'm a uh, spiritual. That's how like God works with a lot of things that, you know, if something's like meant for you and not just insecure, but I'm talking about like you and your whole career, things like that happen like naturally and they just align. You weren't even, I guess, like pressed for the, for that, you know, situation, which is very, very dope. Any black ass show like that's being made now, we're all going to look back at Insecure. Yeah, especially her coming from, you know, make like just doing something on the internet and creating it like that. It, it just shows that you can literally build your own table, create like if something's not there, you can really make it if you want to. And then make a lane for a bunch of other people, you know, that come after you. Yeah. Yeah, she's she's amazing for that. And so like so much of um our culture and T black TV today is inspired from insecure. Like it's it's not even um your friend's show, ISO and a Flatbush uh misdemeanors. That show is yeah, that show is dope. That's an amazing situation too. Did that did he start writing that after? Yeah. After or before? He 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 started that and we moved to New York twenty thirteen. So he started that right away. So that's been around that was a web series at first. Kind of like Aqua Black Girl. So that was a web series that him and um, his co-producer, co-creator started and they spent their own money and they got their own cameras and they shot it as a, a YouTube series and then it turned into Showtime Flatbush Misdemeanor. Mm -hmm. That's wild. Like his, me and his little brother are super cool. And I had no, he must be really low key because I had no idea like that that was his show because I guess he's not really like on the internet like that, which is really cool too. But um, that shit's crazy. Do you ever, you're a writer as well. Do you ever see yourself um, creating a show or do you see yourself more on the acting side of things and stand up? All, all of the above. I mean, we're working on something that I'm creating now. So all of the above, I want all of it. You want everything. So we hear a lot about comedians like struggling with addiction, substance abuse, and like, you know, like Robin Williams. And I feel like a lot, rest in peace. I feel like a lot of times, a lot of people who bring so much like light and joy to the world kind of have really like deep internal battles. I wonder what are your thoughts on that? And can you relate to that to that at all? Um, you remember uh, that it, comedy is, um, comedy is just anger. Like you, you're making fun of uh, something that pisses you off. like. Kevin Hart had a tour or a special called Laugh at My Pain where he was talking about his divorce and what he was going through. And at the end, like Richard Pryor talked about lighting himself on fire and his coke addiction and all this shit. And it is something in that where you, like I do a lot of self-deprecation jokes, you know? Like, uh, I don't know, I can't think of but but there is something in you can find a joke in anything. Like anytime something awful happens, anytime something awful happens, it's like I can almost find a joke in it. Like Kobe's death. Kobe's death, the night of, I made a joke about it on stage. And it was kind of like, uh, but it was all it was funny, but it was like, you know, so I don't want to say it. You gotta come to a show and I'll do it. But but yeah, so some like my friend, my, my friend passed away, and we 
immediately sat at the cellar, sat at the table, and was just making jokes. And if you don't know, if you don't know us, and you know you somebody just died, it's like wow, these people are awful, you know. But no matter what, no matter what, how awful something is, it's always a joke in something. And that's how a lot of me and my friends deal with stuff. Like we don't. Right. I feel like that's a lot, how a lot of uh, African-Americans deal with things because they're, you know, we have been through so much and I don't think it's a bad thing. I definitely think it's a healthier coping mechanism than a lot of things. But I guess when you kind of like cover that up and never deal with what's going on on the inside, it's going to come out eventually, no matter how much you joke about it, you know, which is how I feel like, you know, people end up committing suicide, overdosing, you know, all of those all things. the above how do you deal with your shit Zang, that's a good question nobody's ever thrown nobody's ever thrown that back at me okay um i would say one i'm definitely like a people a people pleaser so i'll be like overly nice to compensate for like any anxious feelings or any negative feelings i'll just try to like be just like this good person type thing or whatever um that and I'll just like go out with my friends a lot. You know what I mean? What'd you say? And get hammered? Well, not not like that. Not ha- hammer. Hammered I, sounds I crazy, a- but that's not. <laughs> that sounds like. I used to get hammered. But hammer, yeah, hammered. Like like, but like hammered's like when you purposefully go out and like black out. That's what I think of it as. But definitely, I think the the main thing is that whole like overcompensating with a bunch of niceness which sucks because that means like you're like boundaryless. yeah but now i found like way healthier coping stuff i went to therapy um i meditate do yoga and like eat healthier like that's like definitely been helping especially like the 10 minute morning meditations yeah i've tried to do that i'm not consistent at all have you tried to use an app i've tried it all for real? I, I Even if it's do, like 10 minutes? I listen. This is what I do. I listen to sleep meditations to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. So I'll listen to that in the morning. I mean, it, it's playing into, because I got Spotify, so it plays all night. I'm listening to sleep meditations. And in the morning, you can hear it as I'm waking up. So it's kind of like I'm meditating. Sometimes I'll just lay there and listen to it. Yeah, just lay down and close your eyes. That's like my favorite thing to do. Like it could be like right after this, after I do anything that exerts energy, I'll just lay down like this and close my eyes for like a second and then leave it at that. Um, yeah. It works. So I, guess I, do, I guess I do do that a lot. Yeah, that is definitely yeah. meditation. As long as you're still, that's what it is. Yeah. For sure. But it, it is kind of nice to wake up to. The hardest part about comedy and the most rewarding part. The hardest part, uh, yeah, maybe maybe the hardest part is like, you know, for me, I'm not I'm not the strongest joke writer. I kind of speak truth, but it has I, sometimes I have trouble finding the joke in it. Like, you know, just being honest. Like I talk about my brother having addictions a lot, and sometimes I'll just go up there and, and talk. And it's a form of therapy too. Uh, I, I don't go to therapy. I told myself I'm going to try to go this year. Um, so it is a form of therapy of like going on stage and just venting. And sometimes you're venting and you, it's no joke. People are just like, this nigga is sad. Um, so sometimes th- that can be tough, like 
coming up with fresh ideas and new jokes and new premises. But also, like, I watch the news a lot. I try to uh, read an article a day. I'm not consistent, but I try to read something like an article on something. Um, and then the most rewarding part, I think, like I said, I, the hang, like the camaraderie that comics have, like every night I'm around some of the funniest people working, you know? So it's a blessing. Like just last night we were out. I mean, it's not healthy either because we out till 4 a.m. Yeah, that's what I think. Was it Tiffany Haddish? I'm not sure who it was. Somebody or a lot of comedians say that. But that's a part of like a part of y'all's even like studying and everything like that. But it's also like, dang, but I'm out till four in the morning. It's not even you partying. It's just you're literally yesterday. We we literally sat at a table and was just yelling and drinking and but if you're not a comic it's not like if if you come with me to the cellar you're just going to kind of be sitting there and i mean you know you'll conversate but it's just like we can do that all night i did have a good time with y'all although it was more of us and is it jonah jonas jonas yes yeah like y'all were super duper cool yeah it's a good hang so is there any comedian that you look to and if if any, why exactly? I mean, mostly like my peers that I went night in and night out. You know, watching them eat, watching them get laughs. And, you know, they give me advice. I give them advice. We like cheer each other on. I mean, Jonas is one. Jonas is one of the, one of the guys that really bring it out of me. He make me feel my most self. Uh, I mean, Mina Amani is my homegirl. She's very funny. Um, Monroe Martin, Derek Gaines, Che. It's just, it's a lot. I can go, you know. Um, and these are not like huge names, but they're like, they keep you, they're funny. They're all funny and they keep me, they keep me like on it. Shout out to them. I feel like comedy is a risk and even just any creative outlet or as an actual job acting it's all a risk who is in your support system outside of the comedians that you've named and like how do you deal with the no's and the rejections and things like that yeah i mean you don't take none of it personal i had i learned back like nothing's personal in this shit and keep moving like i i always i believe in this shit wholeheartedly people are full of shit they blow smoke up your ass and you just you know i mean i was just telling them i was just telling amina like because she's she'll she, she, Mina from Atlanta. She from the hood. She on my time. She'll cuss you out and tell you she don't fuck with you. And I will, I just tell her, like, yo, you don't got to tell everybody you don't fuck with her. You can just not, yeah, you can just not fuck with her. You know what I mean? And then, yeah, like, it's mad people where I go, I don't fuck with this person, but they don't know I don't fuck with them. You know what I mean? And you just keep it cordial like that. So, yeah, I feel like you don't have to tell everybody you don't fuck with them. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like doing, like, stand-up or just being this has built, like, a tougher skin for you outside of this, like, in actual real life? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. If it wasn't for... If I was in a different space when that Insecure episode aired and the Twitter shit... Because I know how going through that, through the tweets and the body shaming and the internet kind of, like, bullying... If I didn't have to, I see why people break down, you know, like we see, we see, uh, like I remember when Chloe, that girl, Chloe was going through 
Yeah, and then it's like you just showing yourself and being who you are, and then people are like, poor. Da, da, da. I can see how people, somebody like that, will go, this, you know, like, this is fu- like, you know, not this is fucked up, like, or not be able to handle it. The average person can't handle um, being tortured like that. You know what I mean? So it's like, I, like, I don't get mad when I see. So I love seeing celebrities or basketball, especially basketball players. They really make me laugh when they respond to like a dumb fan saying something, you know. Um, but I do know if I had a Twitter when when they was getting killed, I probably would have responded to some of that stuff. And then I would have looked. Anytime you react online, you you lost. Anytime you react, anytime you show any, you know, uh, emotion or anything, you lost. But I'm glad I wasn't on Twitter. I just read and I laughed and kept it moving. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, it's crazy because you kind of focus on the negative comments. But like my timeline wasn't even like when 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 your moment happened, they were happy that there was more like more representation. It wasn't like a thing. Oh, my God, look at this fat dude. Like it wasn't nothing like that. It was like, this is actually hilarious. This is dope that this is even happening. But then there's a whole other side that's totally different. And a lot of times yeah. the people behind those, they're they're the most average people ever. So and they could never they could never even step to do what you're doing, let alone handle the, you know, the ridicule that or criticism that could come with that. Yeah, so it's kind of like, like I, I, I knew I knew what I was getting myself into. I knew it was coming. So it was nothing. OK, so to your I feel like we're like, are you on a weight loss journey or like a healthy lifestyle journey? Because you asked me about smoothies and stuff. So I want to know what you did. You were like, send me a smoothie recipe unless you were just saying that. Right. Say I probably was just trying to shoot. <laughs> like, but you also got a bike, so I'm like, nah, he really oh, yeah, is like, yeah, and some other some other stuff. Well, it's cold yeah. as hell. I gotta check him out. But no, I did buy a bike. What's what's the bike's name again? I love that name. If I had a daughter tomorrow, her name would be Shade. But now you can't name your daughter that because you named your bike yeah, my, that, my or yeah, can you? You can do both. Uh, okay. If I was your daughter, I'd be like, um, no, I mean, um, I'd be on and off. Like I, I work out a lot, like, you know, daily. Like I try to get like 15, 20 minutes in of something. Um, I don't know if it's like a journey. It's just something for me to get the endorphins out. Did I say that word? And feel better. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know if it's a journey. I did buy that bike to to you know ride, of course, and get some exercising. But I'm, 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 people were like, "Oh, you need a helmet." It's like I'm not riding this bike in the city. Like I'm not riding. I ride this bike to Prospect Park. You do need a helmet, though. I don't need a helmet because I only ride in Prospect Park. But people people be getting knocked off their bike and just flying if out. I get knocked off them. my bike in Prospect Park. I deserve it. <laughs> because there's nothing in there's no cars or nothing you have to join um they have a bunch of like black like bike clubs I, I, actually super yeah, cool yeah I, I, I live down the street from one i live down the street from let me not tell people where i live then you'll need a helmet though if you if you do that no, i want to look cool okay okay so what's what's been your favorite smoothie recipe um i, I keep it simple i do a little little uh, 
protein powder, strawberries, kale. I was getting into the flaxseed a little bit, but I stopped. Why? It's good for your digestion. And it's good for your brain, too, and your cognition. Oh, look at you knowing all the facts. Throw them things back in there. Yeah, and because it, it makes you feel better. I feel like I work out because it just makes, like, it makes me, one, happier, and my brain is more clear to do whatever I need to do. I'm sure it helps with your jokes and your writing whenever you get on your bike, Sade, or Sade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You gonna get a bike. Get a bike. I know. I said I, like I said this last summer that I'll get one last summer, and then summer was over. But I'm gonna do it this summer for sure. Cause like I feel like whenever I do bike, it's just like a. It feels like bliss. I love it. So we leave off with um, what brings you peace of mind. Well, I mean, I guess is listening to jazz basic. No, actually, that's a first. That's good. Yeah, I've been I've been really getting into my jazz bag. Or just like instrument, like I I am a big fan of, I like music with no words. Like right now when we've done this, I'm going to hang up, I'm going to put on this playlist and it has, it's just instrumentals, it's just uh, horns and pianos and, and I kind of fall asleep to it. Kind of like the sleep meditation, but the sleep meditation is somebody talking, but this one is just instruments. I be in my jazz bag a lot now. I love that. Like jazz in the morning, sometimes, like how you said, you kind of wake up to the music in the morning. Mm -hmm. um, during the pandemic, I would wake up to like jazz. Gato's Gift um, by, Joel, mm -hmm. by Joel Ross. Literally, it's like the best way. It's like, okay, like life is good. You know, it just makes you feel like life is good. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. And I you know, listen to jazz, take my edibles and chill.